Praise the Lord. Good evening, church. It's, it's really good to be with you tonight. Um, before we go into the word, we're going to do what we do at RG. Before we hear the word, um, we say our RG confession, and then we're going to prayer. If we can have the RG confession up. It says, this is the word of God. Can we repeat after me? This is the word of God. It is God speaking to me. My ears are attentive. My heart is receptive. As I'm taught the word, the seed of life will be planted. It will surely grow deep roots and it will produce its fruit in me. Praise the Lord. Lord, we thank you so much for this time that we're about to dive into your word, God. I thank you because um, you have something so precious to impart on us tonight, God. And we thank you because your spirit is here to teach us, to lead us into truth, all truth in Christ. So Lord, um, I, I commit myself into your hand as I'm speaking, God, that you speak your words to every hearer, including my heart, God. And I thank you because it will produce so much fruit in all our lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so today we're talking about fear not. The topic is fear not. And I really believe this is a word for this season because if you look around, there's so many things going on in the, in the world that we live in. You, you've opened the news and you know the title says, a new variant of COVID, or this is happening, or this is um, what is happening in Afghanistan, or what is happening all over the world. There's something always negative showing up in the news. And those things can bring up fear. Fear about tomorrow, fear about what's going to happen now, how am I going to survive? So much fear. But God is telling us today, God is telling the church today, fear not. So I looked up the definition of fear, and it says, an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that something or someone is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. The second definition is a feeling of anxiety concerning the outcome of something. And the third one is the likelihood of something unwelcome happening. So we're going to focus on the, the last two because it ties in so much with worry. And the definition for worry says, give way to anxiety or, or unease. Allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. The second one is a state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. A state of anxiety that's the fear, right? Um, and it could be over actual or potential. You make up, <laughs> you start making up things. Maybe this is, this is going to happen and it, it causes so much fear inside of you. You see, fear and worry go hand in hand together. Um, when you are afraid, you're often worried. And when you worry, you're often afraid. The Lord spoke to me recently about fear. Um, a couple at the beginning of August, he, he was talking to me about fear because I was in fear. So he needed to, you know, speak the truth to me. And um, he said, fear is the absence of knowledge. 
When you are afraid, it means that, you know, that you are uncertain about something. Check most of the time that you're afraid. It's because a piece of information that you need to calm your heart is not there. The definition of fear and worry tell us where the mind is when fear comes. It says you are anxious about a potential outcome or something happening in the future. You are in a state of anxiety. Why are you in a state of anxiety? It's because you're looking at something. There's something that you have fixed your eyes on that is producing that fear or anxiety. Fear comes when we look at the physical, and to be quite honest, you know, when, when you are in the thick of a dire situation, there's ne- never anything in your physical you know, circumstance that will give you hope. If you imagine like you're, you're really in the thick of it, and you're looking around for hope. You're looking for hope in the things that are happening. There's no hope there. Most of the time, in those situations, we're often thinking a thousand negative things of how the situation is going to play out. The, you know, this scenario, that scenario. We're, we're thinking, you know, our mind is running. Okay, maybe this is how it's going to end. Maybe that's how it's going to end. Maybe that's, that's what's going to happen. Will I catch COVID? Will I not? You know, should I go here? Should I not? Like, will I survive? Will I have my rent? So many things that go on in our minds. But there's no hope in those things that we fix our eyes on. I remember when I was in college and um, I had anxiety attacks. And I couldn't sleep. I will always envision something happening to my family. You know, I was far away from them, seven hours away. And, you know, I, I will always think maybe this will happen to my family. Maybe, you know, when we wake up tomorrow, maybe they are no longer going to be there. So many things were causing me anxiety and I couldn't fall asleep. And I will pray and pray out of that anxiety. You know, Lord, Lord protect them. Oh, Lord, like every, literally every single, like a few seconds after I finish praying, I'll pray again, just in case God didn't hear the first one. And uh, for some reason, I felt like nothing would happen to me. I was always praying for my family. I felt like I would be okay, you know, like I'll survive, but my family, I need to pray for them, you know, and I didn't see the lie of the enemy there. I thought I was fine. I, I needed to pray for my family. I needed to cover them in the blood. But I didn't see the effect of that fear on me. I didn't see the effect, the, the stress, you know, the panic attacks. I didn't see the, um, the toll that it was taking on me. The enemy bombarded me with, with you know, panic, fear, all of those things. You know, I only thought that I needed to pray for my family. I thought I was in Igbo, we say Oyenche. I was the guard. I was guarding my family. Um, you know, the, the, I, I wasn't sleeping very well. And, and at a point, I was just like, God, like, what is this? I'm always in a state of anxiety. This is not what you have for me. 
this is not the way that you want me to live this life. And I remember a scripture came to my mind. That scripture, Psalm 127, um, verse 1 and 2. And it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. And it wasn't like I, I didn't know the scripture, I knew it before, but at that particular time, I was looking for a way out, and God presented this scripture to me. It says, unless the Lord, if we go back to verse one, unless the Lord, meaning that if it is not the Lord, whatever you're doing is worthless. See, I thought I was the guard of my family. I was the one that needed to guard them, pray for them, cover them, do all of those things. And God is saying to me, unless it is I, what you're doing is worthless. You are praying out of a state of panic. You're doing these things. The, the effect of your fear is to do all of these things that don't align with my word. And it's not me. If I did not build the house, your labor is in vain. If I am not the one watching, if I'm not the one keeping guard, your garden is in vain. You staying up at night, not sleeping, not gaining enough sleep, is not going to help the situation. So I knew I needed a change. So I began to meditate on this scripture consistently and I was confessing it over myself. I, um, every night, because I, I wasn't really breathing well, you know, going to sleep, I, I was short of breath and there were so many different things that were happening and I will confess it over myself and I, I will say to myself, it says in the word that you are his beloved. He gives his beloved sleep. So I will say to myself, I am God's beloved. I have sleep. The first day that I confessed it over myself, it seemed like nothing was happening. I was still struggling, you know, to fall asleep. But I kept going. I said, no, I, I just have to trust this word that God has given me. I just have to trust it. I don't care what I'm seeing. I don't care if, you know, I'm short of breath. I don't care if I'm not sleeping well. All I care is that this is what God has said. He said he gives his beloved sleep. I am his beloved. I have sleep. And as I kept saying it over and over again, at a point, I didn't even know <laughs> when I started sleeping so well. It was a couple weeks after that I realized that I wasn't panicking anymore. I wasn't in anxiety. I wasn't short of breath. I was sleeping. And I was like, wow, this word works. You see, the reason why it worked is, the first thing is that I believed the word. In, in that situation, I believed the word. I, I confessed it over myself over and over to, to as, at a certain point, I was not thinking about the circumstance that I had. My focus now became the word. It became what God said. It, wasn't, it was no longer, oh, I need to pray for my family, like what will happen to them, all these different scenarios of things going bad. It was God said to me, I am the one who builds the city. 
I am the one who keeps watch. I give you sleep. You see, knowing and believing are two different things. You know, before God brought that scripture to my remembrance, I knew the, I knew the scripture. I've heard it before. I knew it, but I didn't believe it. So it was, it was when I started meditating on that scripture and I, I started confessing it over myself, then the believing came. The Lord Jesus said to us in John chapter 8, verse 32, he says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The no used in that verse actually means believing. It's a deeper, is a depth of knowing. It's not just surface knowing. That's the first step to know the truth. And then the information that you know will then set you free. If we read um, the previous verse, John chapter 8, 31, it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed them, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You, said, you, you see where, what he said there? He, says, he said to the Jews who believed him, they already believed him. They already believed the words that he said. That his testimony about himself, they believed it. But now he said, if you abide, you that believe, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So there's a difference. A disciple is someone who's abiding in that word. You're being taught. You're hearing. There's revelation. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And then he says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So the freedom that you receive comes from the abiding that you, you've done. How much you have um, you know, stayed in the word, how much you have dwelt in the word. And in John chapter 15, verse seven to eight, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. See, God uses abide again because abide must mean something to God. It's not just knowing, surface knowing. See, I, when I read that verse, the John 15 verse 7, I asked the Lord, what does it mean to abide? And he brought to my mind meditation. He said meditating. Meditating on the word. Abiding means to dwell in, not to hover over. Hovering over means just having a mental ascent over the word. Hearing it once or twice and being able to regurgitate it. That's mental ascent. You, you know it to regurgitate it, but it hasn't sank deep inside of you. Abiding is not a surface thing. It's intimacy. You are living in it. You have made your dwelling place in the word. Meditating on it day and night, just as in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Meditate on this book of the law, right? You're, you're pondering on it. In the afternoon, you're thinking on it. In the night, you're remembering the word. As you do this, the, this gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity to then give you a revelation on the word. And that revelation is what sets you free. 
you're meditating on the word, you're pondering it, you're, you're thinking over it, you're turning it over in your mind. And the truth is sinking in, it's sinking in. You know, it's a seed, you're watering it, it's growing. And as it sinks in, God begins to unveil, reveal to you what the word means. He gives you that piece of information that will now calm your heart. That will tell you that it is okay. Things are going to be okay. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, faith comes from continuously hearing the word. It says comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You have to continuously hear it for it to sink in. And that hearing has to be the word that you're hearing. It's not something else. It's not another piece of information that you're receiving. It's the word. It has to be truth that you're hearing so that faith will come to believe what God has said. When we don't give time to the word, it's easy for the enemy to mess with us. You know, he will carry his fear. And in, in Igbo, it says, you know, he will carry his ngongo. Ngongo means belonging. All that he has, he'll come and now stay with you. Because you're not abiding in the word. You're not dwelling in that word. You don't know what belongs to you, so he can do whatever he wants. Remember that piece of information that God gave me? He said, fear comes because we're lacking knowledge. Fear is the absence of knowledge. God really desires that we don't stay ignorant. That we're not lacking knowledge because knowledge really sets you apart from someone who's ordinary. If you know who you are, if you know who, what belongs to you, then you don't do what ordinary people do because you know your caliber, you know your, your um, level. You're a child of God. There are things that belong to you, but when you are in ignorance, you can't access it. You often live in fear because you don't know what you have. In Hosea chapter four, verse six, it says, my people are being destroyed because they don't know me. If we read the New King James Version, it says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. There's a piece of information missing, and that piece of information is the truth that will set you free. Let's go back to um, John chapter 15, verse seven to eight. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you'll be my disciples. You see what he said after abiding? He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you will ask whatever you desire. Why is he saying that you will ask whatever you desire? You can ask whatever you desire because now your desire becomes the truth of God's word. Because you're dwelling in, in the word, you're living in the word, you're pondering on the word, you're meditating on the word. It's what you're thinking over in your mind. Then your desires begin to align with the word. So now whenever you ask what you need is in alignment with the will of God. And then God is like, yes, you can have it because it's my word. Abiding leads to clarity. Oftentimes, um, we sit in confusion, and that confusion causes fear because we don't know what direction to take. 
But as you begin to abide in the word of God, things start to make sense. There's clarity that the Holy Spirit gives you on your particular circumstance. You're no longer in confusion. I, I hear often like that word, like I'm confused, I'm confused. Um, there's no need for confusion when the word is there. The word is there to lead and guide you. The, the Holy Spirit helps to unveil the word to you. It might be a mystery to somebody who's not a Christian, but for you, a Christian, God has given you the gift of the Holy Spirit to really reveal to you the things about your life. You know, um, I, I think it was in production uh, meeting that we were talking about how the word of God has everything for every situation. You'll be surprised. The thing that you, you might think is not in the word, there's no way I'm going to find a scripture for that. And you end up finding a scripture that speaks specifically to what you're going through. The word of God really deals with every single thing in our lives. And, and God has provided it for our guidance. He has provided it to help us to know the things that he has provided for us. He has given freely to us to enjoy. When you abide, there's clarity. And when you abide, you know the perfect will of God for you. Romans chapter two, uh, 12, verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As you renew your mind, that abiding, as you renew your mind, you know, you prove, you prove out what God is saying. Like, what, what is the will of God for my life? What, what is God telling me to do? What is the next step? You know as you abide, as you stay in the word. Because then the Holy Spirit has an opportunity to reveal things to you. He has something to work with. You're dwelling in the word. Have you noticed that whenever God talks about fear, he gives you a piece of information that will calm your heart. He never just says, do not be afraid, and that's just it. He always, you know, follows it with something that you need to know, why you don't need to be afraid. In Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you. I will help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You see that? He says, I will. I will uphold you. I will help you. Remember the scripture that God gave to me, Psalms 127, verse 1? He says, unless the Lord builds the house. Unless the Lord. It's always about the Lord, what the Lord has done. It's never about what you can do. He said, I will. That's the reason why you shouldn't fear. Is because I, I am with you. I will uphold you. I will help you. I will keep you. I, the Lord, will do so. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. It is the Lord your God. His presence is with you. The reason why you shouldn't fear is because you have the presence of the Lord with you. 
and his presence is a blessing. God continues to remind me of um, his presence in my life. Oftentimes when I, I go into meetings at work, um, <laughs> at a point, when, when I started work, um, I was always afraid of how I spoke. You know, I thought I wasn't sounding like everybody else, you know, so I shouldn't really speak up. And whenever we'll have a meeting, I don't usually talk, although I might have ideas inside of my heart, but I don't usually talk because I was always afraid that I will sound off. And God began to speak to me about that. He said to me, do you know who you carry? Like, you're, you're downplaying me. Do you know who you carry? I am God. I am bold. And so are you. You forget who you are. You're afraid of all of these people, but I created them. You're afraid of how you sound. But I am the one who gives you the ability to speak and speak with clarity. So, Whenever I would go into meetings, I, I would tell myself, no, Adana, you carry God in you. You speak up because God has made you bold. And I will confess over myself, you are the righteous. You are as bold as a lion. And I would go into those meetings over time as this word began to sink, sink inside of me. Um, I would go into those meetings with confidence and I would speak with confidence but it took time because I needed the word to go inside. I needed it to be rooted inside of me. Here's what the Lord says in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 13. He says, for I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not. I will help you. That's a word for somebody. He's holding your right hand. He's telling you, Fear not, I will help you. I don't know what your circumstance might be. Everybody knows how it touches them, right? It could be family situation that you don't know how you guys are gonna get out. It could be academic stuff. It could be not having a job. It could be so many different things and those things are bringing fear and worry to you. But God is telling you, fear not, I will help you. Fear not, I am with you. Fear not, I am the one upholding you. This is what David says in Psalms 23 verse 4. He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He recognizes a piece of information. He says, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He recognized the presence of the Lord with him. And then Jesus says something to us that is so amazing. In John chapter 14, verse 27, he says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He says, 
there's something I've given you. I, I just want to let you know a piece of information. I've actually given you peace, right? I leave this with you. This is my gift to you. And then he says, because I've given you this, now you have the authority not to let your heart be afraid. See, when we get into fear, it's not that peace is, is not there. Peace is always there because it's a gift from the Lord. He has given it to us. We have it. But wherever you choose to focus your eyes, that's what you're going to reap the fruit of. Or that's the fruit that is going to be produced. If you focus your eyes on the peace that God has given you, you see the fruit of peace. But if you focus your eyes on your circumstance, again, when you're looking at your circumstance, there's no hope that comes from there. If you focus your eyes on your circumstance, then you will get into fear. Let your, not your heart be afraid. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You see, confidence comes from the knowledge that we have. When you're afraid, check where you're lacking knowledge. If you are in fear, check where you're lacking knowledge. Check where you're lacking the truth of God's word. Fear is definitely not from God. Um, as real as it is, you know, fear is very real. It's not that it's not real. Um, but it's not God's reality. So it shouldn't also be yours. This is not to say that fear wouldn't come. Of course, all of us have, you know, probably, you know, you face fear at, at, at some point in your life. But what, it, he, what the word of God is saying to us is that fear is a foreigner. It doesn't belong to you. It's not part of your nature. It's not part of the nature of God, so therefore it's not part of your nature. I really want to read this scripture. Um, I, I love, love this scripture. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. When God was talking to Abraham, and he said this, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Do not be afraid. And, and I, I believe ESV says, fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. See, God tells Abraham, this is why you shouldn't fear. Again, my presence. I'm the one who shields you. I'm the one who blesses you. I'm your exceedingly great reward. What is there that can compare to me? If you are in a situation and there's fear, look to God. Look to his presence. Because he tells us in his word that he will never leave us or forsake us. And he doesn't go back on his promise. We know that for sure. Look to his presence. His presence is your anchor. Because when you recognize the person who is with you, how great that person is, then everything else around you becomes so little. The scripture tells us that the greater one is in us. He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. 
Yes, the world might have fear. They might be anxious. They might be panicking. But you have someone greater. Someone who is beyond what is happening in this physical world. Exodus chapter 14 verse 13 says, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm. I'm going to highlight that, stand firm. Because for you to beat fear, you have to stand firm. And see the salvation of the Lord and he will, that he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never again, you shall never see again. He says, fear not. Stand firm. Because there's a portion that you have to play in fighting against fear. You have to hold on to what you're confessing, the word, the truth that God has given you. You have to hold on to it. Just like when God taught me, uh, you know, the story that I told at the beginning that, you know, when I was in anxiety, I, I was having anxiety attacks and God said to me, look at this word, I give my beloved sleep. And that was what I was holding on to. And when that fear will come, that, that anxiety and it, it will trouble me and I wouldn't go to sleep, I'll say, no, 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 I'm not looking at that. I'm not looking at what the enemy is showing me. I'm looking at the word. He says, I am his beloved. He has given me sleep. That's all I believe. And that's the standing firm. You have to hold firm to what God has said to you. And then it says, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work. Now, now again, it's not you will work. It says he will work for you today. For the Egyptians, whatever the circumstance, whatever the challenge is, those are the Egyptians. The Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never again see. Because he will work out that salvation for you. God will work it out. And then Haggai chapter 2 verse 5, it says, according to the covenant that I made with you, when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst, fear not. God has made a covenant with us, sealed by the blood of Jesus. And then he says, he has given us a spirit. At that, you know, in, in the, in the um, Old Testament, the spirit of God was walking with them. But now in this New Testament, the spirit of God is living in us. He's dwelling inside of us. So fear not. The great king, his spirit dwells in you. The second portion of this is that fear does not bear fruit. It, it actually leads to disobedience, if you look at it. Fear allows for spiritually irrational behavior. It might make sense, your, your actions might make sense to the physical senses, but the end thereof is destruction because you're not seeing clearly as you're making that decision. Any decision that is made out of fear is not God's wisdom. So God is telling us today, child of God, wait on God, wait on him. He sees beyond what you see. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 10 to 12, this is an example. God is showing us an example of how fear caused the Israelites to want to go back to what they were saved from. It says, and when Pharaoh drew near, this is after they had, they were, you know, they got out of Egypt and they were walking towards the Red Sea. 
And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. First, where did they lift their eyes? And what did they see? The question for you today is, where are you lifting your eyes to? And what are you seeing? It says they lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. They saw their enemy. They beheld their enemy. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. See, see um, what they did there? They wanted to sl- stay in their slavery, in the bondage. They wanted to go back out of what God saved them from. Their fear, that irrational fear, made them say things that they didn't understand. And oftentimes, fear gets us into this place of irrational behavior that that we act out of fear rather than wait on God, wait to hear what God has to say. Or we do the opposite of what God has told us to do because we are not seeing any hope. We think that we know logically in our human understanding, we think that we know the best way forward. Here's another example, Genesis chapter 12, verse 10 to 13. 12, verse 10 to 13. It says, now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there. Again, Egypt, Egypt. (laughs) Stop going to Egypt. It says, for the famine was severe in the land and it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Okay. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, this is his wife and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say you are my sister that it may be well with me for your sake. See how he's, he's positioning it for your sake that it will be well with me. But he's not saying that he's the one afraid. For your sake, that I may live because of you. First, he did something. God didn't tell him to go down to Egypt. He went down to Egypt on his own. And then it says, because he wanted to live, he said to Sarah, please act like you're my sister. Tell them that you're my sister so I can live, so that they won't kill me. And what caused him to go down to Egypt where God did not tell him to go? is because of the severity of the situation that he found himself. It says that the famine was so severe, he needed to go to a place where there wasn't any famine. And oftentimes when you look at your situation, it can, it can seem so severe that there's no way out, so that you, then you begin to look for another alternative. And you didn't hear from God before you chose that alternative. So there's... there's There's a place where we have to see God's face. We have to wait for God before we do anything. We don't just 
jump into any decision, do whatever we, we think is the best out of the fear that is coming. Again, let me say, say it again. Fear allows for spiritually irrational behavior. You become impulsive. Not waiting for, God is never in a hurry and he's always on time. So be rest assured that he will always come on time for you. But when you think that it's not happening fast enough, you often go off and do whatever you want to do. And the, the end of that thing, if, if we were to map a trajectory of how that thing will end, is not often good. So let's go back to that, that word again in John chapter 15, verse 7 to 8. I'm bringing it back again. It says, if you abide in me, abide in meaning to dwell, if you dwell in my word and my, word dwell, my words dwell in you, you will ask what you desire, the desire coming from you, know, you dwelling in the word. And it says, it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. You see that? As you begin to dwell in the word of God, it produces fruit. When you're not dwelling in the word of God, you're not producing any good fruit. But God is calling us to bear his fruit. The fruit that comes from him. Mark chapter 5 verse 36 but says, but overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. This is what, what God is calling us to be able to bear fruit. This is the answer. Only believe. Don't be afraid. Only believe what I've said to you. That word you've been hearing, believe it. Get to faith. Get to believing. And it will begin to produce much fruit in you. Proverbs 12 verse 25 says, anxiety is a man's, in a man's heart weighs him down. I'm sure everybody has experienced that. It's so strenuous and stressful. But a good word makes him glad. The word of God is good news. It's good news to the heart. When God says, fear not, I am with you, that's good news. That makes us glad. I remember um, <laughs> this year in general, there, there are so many things that have happened in my life, but whenever I get into fear, God says to me, you're taking on a responsibility that I have not given to you. You're trying to carry the burden of this. You're, you're trying to put this burden on yourself, but I have not given you that responsibility. What I've told you to do is to rest in me. I am here. I'm the one that takes care of you. And at a point, um, I remember at Labasta um, um, practice, we were praying and God said to me, do you know that I didn't create you to carry any responsibility? I created you to take care of you. I created you to show you my goodness. In Ephesians, it talks about the God will show the kindness, his kindness to us who believe in Christ. I created you so that you can experience my goodness and my kindness and my grace. When God created Adam and Eve, he didn't ask them to toil. 
for anything. He created the garden. He created everything that they need. And he put them there. He says, now take care of it. I've already given you everything that you need. All you need to do is take care of it. Taking care of it, not meaning to farm the land. To name the, no, easy job. Just name it. Walk around. Enjoy the garden. But this is also what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. He has given us all these promises. And he said, enjoy it. It's for you. Don't take on responsibility that I've not given you. And the only responsibility that I've told you to, to have is to believe. The work that God requires of you is to believe. John chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. This is Jesus talking. Believe in God and believe also in me. And then this is what God tells us in Isaiah 26, verse 3. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. You see the Egyptians, um, the Israelites that we're talking about, it says they lifted up their eyes, they beheld the Egyptians. Now, God is saying, you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. Who's you? God. You're lifting up your eyes, you're, you're, you're looking at God. You're beholding him. And then the circumstance, the Egyptians, become smaller because your God is great. The last thing I'm going to talk about here is you have, you have power over fear. Fear shouldn't dominate you. It shouldn't have control over you because God has given you incredible power. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You see how God has said that's, that fear is not, is not his nature. It's not his spirit. He has given you incredible power. It dwells inside of you. He has given you love. It's inside of you. He has given you self-control, sound mind. And, um, a different version would say soundness of mind. It's inside of you. That's the mind of Christ. That's who God is. The spirit that you have as a child of God, a born-again Christian, is that of God. And whatever that is not like God is a foreigner. And so when you detect that foreigner, you kick it out. Because it doesn't belong to God. Romans chapter 8 verse 15, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You see that? It says, yeah, at one point you were in slavery, but now you're not. Because the spirit you received does not make you fall back into fear. The spirit of God you receive is a spirit of power. It's a spirit that has soundness of mind. And that spirit allows you to know that you're a child of God. You have incredible, vast wealth, great things that God has given to you in Christ Jesus. It's so available to you. And it says, now you can cry, Abba, Father. God is your Father. There's a scripture that um, I think I skipped over. Um, let me see if I can find it. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1, it says, But now thought says the Lord, he who created you, 
O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. You see, he said he created you. Now, parents in the house, you know, if you're a parent, you gave birth to your children, would you not say, okay, now because I've given birth to them, they should go and fend for themselves? Or because I've given birth to them, oh, I will no longer take care of them. No. It says God created you. God gave birth to you. As a child, you're, that's why we say we're children of God because he gave birth to us. Right? And, and then he says, he who formed you, he intricate, intricately formed you with his hands. And he said, fear not. So, when a father is telling his child, fear not, there's a reason. Because the father knows something that the child might not know. And because the father is with the child, the child is confident that, you know, my dad is here. I don't, I don't have any reason to fear because my dad will take care of it. So that's what God is telling us um, if we go back to where we were before. It says, now you can cry, Abba, Father, because he's the one who formed you. He's the one who created you. So you can go boldly before his throne and ask for what you need. And it is available for you. Um, God shared with me that, you know, many Christians are not living, they're not living a reality or they're living a reality that is not their true reality. And he said, because they don't know the truth, that's why they are taking on a reality that he has not given us. And the truth, remember we said um, from John chapter 8 verse 32 says, you shall know the truth, the truth will set you free. The freedom that he talks about is whatever you need in that situation. That's the freedom. The truth will set you free. And God says to us, if we are afraid, here is the, um, the instruction I'm giving you. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. The peace of God, this peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When it says, do not be anxious about anything, it's talking about anything and everything. It's not just, okay, maybe this portion, I need to be anxious about it. No. He says, do not be anxious about anything. So if you're getting into fear, God is telling you, anxiety is not your portion. Do not be anxious about anything. Whether you think that that, that thing that, you know, that is causing you fear is so big that you don't know how you're going to get out of it. Do not be anxious about anything. That thing is something. The instruction is don't be anxious. Pray. Tell God what you need. After you've surrendered that situation to him, the peace of God, you've let it go. You presented it to God. You put it at his feet. And, and it says the peace of God which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
you have power over fear. Fear should not dominate you because it's not the spirit of God. You have the spirit of God as a child of God. Joshua chapter one, verse nine says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's a command. Do not be frightened. Dismayed means do not be afraid. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I'm just going to read a couple more scriptures and we're going to close out. In Psalms 118 verse 6, it says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Because the Lord is with me. Can you imagine? Wow, like, let's, let's just think about it for a second. The great I am is standing with me. The lion of the tribe of Judah is with me. The deliverer is with me. My redeemer is with me. What can man do to me? What can any situation do to me? Why should I be afraid? Why should I fear? Fear is nothing compared to who God is. Your God is greater. Your God is mightier. And that God that created the entire universe is living inside of you. And he's saying to you, I am not afraid, so you should not be afraid. And in this, it's not that he's just telling us not to be afraid. He's telling us that I'm taking care of it. I'm the one who takes care of you. I take care of every situation. Whether it's a family challenge, whether it's sickness, whether it's you know, financial need, I take care of it. For I am the Lord, your restorer. I'm the Lord, your supplier. I am the Lord, your provider. I'm the Lord, your peace. I'm the Lord who is everything to you. I am the Lord, your sufficiency. I am. Everything you need in every situation. I'm going to read this last scripture and then we're just going to pray out. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. It says, so we confidently say, I would, um, okay. So we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So this is what you need to tell yourself. You will confidently tell yourself, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is the strength of my life. I will not be afraid. The Lord is my redeemer. The Lord is, is the one who upholds me by his righteous right hand. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Praise the Lord. Let us just pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this word that you're giving us in due season. You say, you're telling us today, fear not because you have done something. You say, I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will take care of all your needs. And so, Lord, we thank you for this word that you have given us. We, we know that it's exactly what we need in, this, in the situations that we find ourselves in. And I just pray, God, that this word 
will bear much fruit in our hearts, in our lives, God, that we will see the effect of it, that we will continue to hold firm and to stand firm in the truth of your word, to see the victory that you have already given us in Christ Jesus. May your name be praised forever. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Amen.